Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six, I believe, of the Rabbit Weasel podcast. Is that right? Are we on six now? Already? I think that's right. I yeah. think that's. I think we're at six. Yeah, sounds about yeah. right. That's correct. Yeah. Wow. And um, this week we're going to be talking about trick or treat. But first, it's the Halloween season. Welcome to October, everybody. <laughs> or at least as far as everyone listening is concerned, it's October. It's definitely also October now as we're recording this. Yeah, 100% um, October right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before we get into the movie, a couple of announcements. Let's see here. So since it is October, the Halloween season, we're going to be doing something a little different instead of a podcast every other week. We're going to try and do one every weekend. That's uh, There's five weekends this, this month, so that's five episodes if we can pull it off. Uh, let's see here. What else? Oh, I've got the uh, got the first Rabid Weasel review review in a magazine, uh, Crit of Madness. It's a magazine devoted to EC horror comics, um, Mad Magazine, and the related things. So their October issue, it'll be issue number eight. Sometime around mid-October, that should be coming out. I will have a written review on one of our episodes, actually, uh, Creep Show. We just did that. What was that? Episode four or three? I can't remember now, but so everybody go check them out. It's a magazine I've been reading for a few, well, probably a couple of years now. And I was fortunate enough to be able to write something for them. So go check that out. Other than that. Uh, where can people go to uh, get copies of it, Jared? Oh, let's see here. If we go into Google and just type in Crypt of Madness, you can contact them on their Facebook page. They also have a Tumblr, but their Facebook page, they're very responsive on there. That's probably the best way to see when they're going to be releasing it. There's no actual release date yet, but they're working on working on it now. And it's supposed to come out sometime in mid-October. So if you want to go on there, there should be an update for when it's available. And you can always message them. Like I said, they're very responsive. So it's a cool magazine. If you like uh, the EC comics, not just the horror stuff, but all the other genres, uh, horror comics in general, it's a really cool thing. So I'm excited to have a, a little piece in there. Condensing it all down into a few hundred words, huh? Yeah, well, I guess it was about 2,000 words. So a little over 2,000. I could have kept going. I, it, it's kind of a challenge to decide, you know, how, how long are you going to make these things? Because I can talk forever and tell people everything, but, you know. Anyway, so, Justin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Um, it's been another busy week. Uh, mid-semester out this way, so by about mid-semester, I am uh, just doing my best to keep up with all the tasks. And uh, our little puppy got her spay this weekend, and... Um, so we didn't sleep much last night, and today she is wandering around with a poor cone on her head <laughs> as we are recording the episode. A cone of shame. So if you hear any weird banging noises in the background, <laughs> it is not a, a kidnapping vid- victim. It is a poor puppy. Uh, <laughs> no monsters with yeah. us today. No monsters with us today. <laughs> no monsters. Uh, Mia, how are you doing? My other co-host. A little sleepy. As Justin mentioned, we've been taking care of poor old clam during her surgery but i'm excited to review yeah well with that let's jump right oh i guess i should say who i am i'm jared the (laughs) the host of the podcast (laughs) it's midnight here and i had a six-week work day with uh, work day man that's pretty impressive yeah i'm uh, 
I'm, I'm exhausted, a little bit under the weather. So if I'm stammering a little bit or if my voice is a little thrown off, you lose your voice a lot in this job working with little kids. So bear with us. But let's get started on the movie. Today we're talking about, as I said, Trick or Treat. All the movies this month will be somehow related to the Halloween holiday. We will reveal them one by one. But this one came out in 2007. Uh, I consider it the perfect Halloween movie. I can't think of a film that really captures Halloween better. Oh, it just really oozes Halloween imagery, I think. Every moment of it, there's pumpkins, there's costumes, candy, everything. Everything Halloween is in this movie. It was made by Brian or Michael Doherty, excuse me based on a short film he had made for his uh, college senior thesis when he was in, when he was in film school. Uh, you may know him as the guy he co-wrote X-Men 2 and Superman Returns. And more recently, he made the Christmas horror movie Krampus, which I actually haven't seen yet, but a lot of people like that one. <laughs> and he also made Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the most recent Godzilla film, which I loved. He's obviously a guy who's a big, a big film fan. So this movie is, uh, you know, we mentioned Creepshow earlier. It's kind of inspired by Creepshow in many ways. It's, uh, it is an anthology, eh, kind of an anthology. I wouldn't exactly call it an anthology. Most people will. It's more like, I guess, a horror version of a Quentin Tarantino film, kind of like Pulp Fiction or Kill Bill, mm. because it's not one story, then another story, then another story. It's several different stories that are all kind of happening at the same time, and they're intertwined, so... It's kind of like an anthology, if you want to call it that. Uh, the movie was produced by Brian Singer, who worked with Michael Doherty on a lot of the X-Men movies and the uh, Superman Return movies that we were just talking about. Now, this film kind of has an interesting background. There was a lot of trouble. It took a while for it to find an audience because it was never actually released in theaters. It was supposed to be released in around Halloween of 2007, but wasn't. It never had a major the theatrical release, and it's not really clear why. There's different stories. Um, Doherty said that the film was just too different from everything that was coming out in horror movies at that time. Back Go back to about 2007, 2008. This was the post-Saw hostile time period, so a lot of it was the so-called torture porn stuff, a lot of Japanese horror movies, uh, ghost movies, post-Ringu and Grudge. Mm -hmm. So he said it was a release because the studio just didn't know what to do with it. But there's also been rumors that Brian Singer's Superman Returns was kind of a flop and the studio was pissed off about that. And this was kind of a way of sticking it to him. Who knows what the real story is. But eventually in 2009, it did come out on DVD and it's just gained a huge cult following since then. And I saw it. Man, I can't remember when I first saw it, but I instantly loved it the first time I saw it. Now, Justin, well, let's go to Mia first. Let's go to Mia first, actually. Mia, was this your first time watching this movie? Yes, it was my first time. I actually have not heard of the movie before. Really? You had never heard of it before. So what did you think about it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the anthology feel, I guess, uh, sort of, um, like you had mentioned. Um, uh, how the stories are all almost either happening at the same time or one after the other because um, you could notice like certain cues or sounds that are happening on one that reflect on another story or like a character points out 
that if you weren't paying attention, otherwise you wouldn't have realized. I love that kind of, I realized I love that kind of storytelling and it's a lot of fun to be like looking out for those things. And it made me really enjoy the movie. Yeah. This is one of those movies where if you don't like it, I'm not sure if we can be friends. It's just, how can you not like this movie? It's really fun. It's a great horror movie. It's not, you know, like we were just saying, it's very much the opposite of what was coming out at that time. It's not really that gory or bloody. It's fun. It has a sense of fun to it, I think, for sure. And all the stories are, they tie together in an interesting way. And it's a movie that the more you watch it, the more you capture those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see how much of that you guys noticed as we go. But uh, now that I've said I, I won't like you if you don't like the movie. Justin, what did you think about it? We had actually watched this one before, right? I've seen it before, and uh, I will avoid uh, family strife by declaring that I don't like it. No, I, uh, I enjoy it. I agree, I agree with you that it's a nice Halloween theme. They managed to, um, to have like a Halloween vibe the whole time. There's also like classic Halloween monsters that come up, that are kind of laid in throughout, which are kind of fun. And uh, it takes some like fun kind of clever plays on some traditional storylines where the first time you see it, you don't really see some of it coming. They do a good job of like redirecting your attention in some funny ways a couple times. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. And like Mia, um, I had seen it with you. It been a, had been a while. We, we watch it. We try to watch these movies twice. Once just to kind of take them in, and then another time to catch stuff. And uh, yeah, it was really funny, all the things you catch, you know, the second time you watch it, which we can talk about. But yeah, I enjoyed it. It's fun. I agree with you that it's a great Halloween movie. It's maybe not the perfect Halloween movie. I mean, Halloween has to be the perfect Halloween movie. And this has to come as a close second. I mean, it can't, can't top Halloween. Uh, well, that's, that may be something we discuss later. But <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> I, to me, I like this movie better than Halloween. I understand some people... You know, you're going to strongly disagree with me about that, but uh, Halloween is also a very good movie, but man, every moment of this movie is just something related to the holiday, you know. Yeah. But I guess with that, we should go ahead and jump into this, the, the stories. Now, I had originally wrote out a detailed plot walkthrough of this whole movie because, it's like I said, it's not one story, then another story, then another story. It's all kind of intertangled and you're jumping back from one story to the other mm -hmm. but to save some time we, we'll just look at each story one by one I guess if that's okay with you guys so the first one the first one these stories don't have names but uh, the one where the couple comes home on Halloween night is the way the movie opens so you have a couple coming back on Halloween night. Uh, you have, I don't, I don't think it says if they're married or not, but the man says he basically loves Halloween. His girlfriend or wife, she doesn't. And she goes to blow out the jack-o'-lantern, despite him telling her that it's ancient tradition to leave it open till, to leave it going until midnight, which by the way, I'd never heard that before. Either of you ever heard that? No. No, but this yeah. is a thing they play on throughout, right? Uh, Tradition. Yeah, traditions and the importance to this particular community. I took it as like this community has its particular traditions because there are monsters abound. Yeah, maybe it was just for this this one. I had never heard that one before that you're supposed to keep the lights going until um, you know till after midnight. But anyways, in this world at least, you're supposed to keep the jack o' lantern lit until after midnight. But she doesn't care if she blows it out. And then he ends up going upstairs while she starts taking down the decorations. This entire time they're being watched by something that kills her. 
as she's taking down the uh, the decorations. When he comes down, comes back down to find her later, she is hung up by one of the decorations and her mouth is stretched open with this giant piece of hard candy. Yeah. And there you go. That's how the movie is. <laughs> so, <Totally boring. laughs> um, what did you guys think about this little opening segment? Uh, I liked it. I, I like how they how it gets tied into the broader story, which I know we're uh, kind of sidestepping a little bit, but I like that it starts and kind of uh, ends with this couple. I mean, I think that's uh, was a nice touch. The first time I'm like, what's the, what's the big deal here? I even missed him telling her to not put out the jack-o'-lantern the first time. But I, I liked it. I, they do a couple false starts, right? She's going through the backyard, and their backyard is like way done up because they're huge. He's a huge Halloween fan. There's sheets everywhere, kind of making them look like ghosts. And she's like yanking them down one at a time. And each time you're expecting to see a ghost, and there's nothing. And then they, you know, they work in the, the little boy across the street with the, with the I guess, Jason mask. And um, uh, he's looking kind of creepy. But then, you know, that's how she, that's how the husband finds her. When he pulls down one of the sheets, there she is. And you finally get the scare moment. So I thought it was pretty good. What do you yeah. think, Mia? I agree. I like the story. I like the buildup. That was really good. I was like waiting to see what was going to happen. Like, when she's like, oh, you know, you know, something's going to jump out of her. I thought maybe one of the hands was going to be like a, a dead person's hand or something that she was going to find a body but no it turns out it was going to be her body that was <laughs> <laughs> i really liked it yeah it really it's a very suspenseful scene there's like justin says there's the scene where she looks across the street and there's that person who's just staring at her i think that is kind of a tribute to the halloween movies where they just see him standing there in his blank mask and she keeps waiting for something to happen and finally her friends come and or his friends come and pick him up and it's a fake out basically and then the scene where she is pulling down all those direct decorations. And you do think each time something's going to jump out and nothing ever does, but she finally does get attacked. But again, the comedy is introduced because she gets killed and it's pretty, uh, not really gory, but silly. Like I said, she just has this giant lollipop or whatever, stretching her mouth open. Yeah, yeah. So also the kind of sheets is really, I mean, scary and kind of funny like the sheets just jump out at her and then yeah. envelop her and then the then you find her bloodied up and with the with the candy in her mouth mm -hmm. but it kind of sets up the theme of respecting the holiday right that's the whole theme of this movie especially by the end you realize that the whole theme of the movie is respecting the holiday and if you don't bad things might happen to you but <laughs> yeah, there's lots of like different traditions that will that we'll see. And it, and it has also the theme of like that horror movies often have that if you're the violator of the norms or the cultural traditions, you're the one that sometimes get, gets killed off. Mm -hmm. So that's a, it's a very short segment. It just kind of introduces things. And then if you pay close to close attention throughout the movie, like we said, these characters do pop up a few more times. But with that, we'll, we'll move to really the first story. And one of the main characters of the movie is Mr. Wilson, who is played by, oh, what is his name? I think that's, is that Brian? I can't remember his name, but I know he was in one of the, the X-Men movies. Anyways, he is Mr. Wilson. So it starts off with a kid named Charlie. He's trick-or-treating by himself late at night smashing pumpkins and taking more candy at each house than he should 
but he gets caught by one of the owners and that's mr wilkins who we find out is his principal so mr wilkins makes him sit down and he starts complaining that people don't understand the true meaning of halloween anymore and <laughs> then the kid becomes violently ill and we have i guess the the big gross out gag of the movie where he just starts vomiting up like a gallon of liquid chocolate basically and then passes out what did you guys think of that the first time you saw it i thought at first i thought it was blood but then i realized it was chocolate it mm-hmm. was pretty gross <laughs> <laughs> the two of you did better than me i thought it was blood the whole time it's a it was it is one of the places where i catch uh, uh i don't know what the term for it is but later when the when the mr what is Done forgot his name. Mr. What's his name, Jared? The main character of this story is Mr. Yeah, yeah. Wilson. Mr. Wilson. So when Mr. Wilson comes back out a little later, all the uh, throw up is gone on his front porch, which is one of the fun kind of things I call it in this one. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, <laughs> it reminded me of one of these family guy moments where it's like Peter throws up and then throws up and then throws up and then throws up. That's how this felt. Yeah, like, it's just so unnecessarily over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know you might be right Justin maybe it was supposed to be um blood I don't know I just kind of thought chocolate because he's eating the chocolate and he gets sick but there's some pretty fun special features on the Screen Factory uh DVD that I was looking at and how they made that scene it's it's shot very cleverly they actually have a tube on the other side of his face going into his mouth that's pumping blood out and you can't see this tube because of the way it's edited and then some other scenes they have him just have a big mouthful of it and spit it out and that was sort of like a chocolate mixture they use so maybe that's why i assume blood but anyways he throws a lot of it up and it just keeps going and we realize that mr will mr wilson has poisoned him as part of i guess the halloween tradition you know people (laughs) who don't respect halloween he's going to poison them so anyways the kid falls out he drags them inside but then he gets interrupted by some trick-or-treaters. He gives them candy. They run off. Um, but behind them, there's another kid dressed in orange with his face covered by a burlap sack. Remember that kid because he becomes important later. Uh, he takes nothing, but he gets a piece of candy. Or he says nothing, but he gets a piece of candy and leaves. And then back inside, Mr. Is it Mr. Wilkins or Mr. Wilson? Uh, I was relying on you, man. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not, uh, not holding it together today, am I? <laughs> That's what happens when you work six weeks in a day. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, we'll call him Mr. Wilson, and yeah, then, yeah. pulling up the beauty of Google. She'll get us there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out, man. Well, anyways, he has dug a grave in his backyard. So not only has he poisoned Charlie, he's going to bury him in his backyard, which, you know, I don't, I don't think burying bodies in your, on your own property is ever a good idea if you're going to be a serial killer, but that's another conversation. I think there were more bodies in there. It was my interpretation was that he is keeping several bodies and maybe even mommy. I mean, there's no, like, it's not definitely said, but it's sort of implied that maybe he killed his wife too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's definitely more than one body in that grave. And it's implied that he killed his wife, but never definite. Maybe she was last year's Halloween sacrifice. <laughs> um, so he's burying, anywhere, either way, he's burying bodies in his backyard. And he gets interrupted by his kid, who's probably 10 years old. 
Daddy. It's <laughs> really super annoying. Huh? It's Billy. <laughs> Billy. Yeah. Billy another. makes another. <laughs> we can't escape the name Billy. I can just picture uh, what's her face from Creep Show. Billy. Yeah. Billy. Adrian Barbeau. Call me Billy. <laughs> Could have been intentional. Could have been intentional. Yeah, no, I mean, true, he yeah. was definitely inspired by Creep Show. Um, but he manages to get the kid to be quiet. And then his next door neighbor's dog starts barking uh, underneath the fence. So <laughs> he chops off one of the fingers and he throws it for the dog to get him to shut up. <laughs> but then, Mia, did you figure out the, his name? So he's only credited as Steven. Interesting. Yeah, what I found is just Steven. His first name is Steven. Oh, that's, I can't believe I, because I've got it here in my notes listed as both so i'm like oh man didn't do editing. <laughs> is it wilkins or wilson um anyways oh well <laughs> so it gets the dog to be quiet but uh then the dog's owner comes outside now the dog's owner is mr cree i know this one for sure uh it's a distinctive name <laughs> uh so mr cree comes out and he's managing he's yelling at at mr wilson to shut up and keep your dog out of keep your kid out of my yard and all this stuff which confuses him but anyways he goes inside too he manages to finally kill the kid with this little horrible squeaking noise when he hits him with the shovel but he buries him uh, after being interrupted by his son again anyways <laughs> once he gets inside he sees mr cree banging on his window across the uh across the yard but he says, screw you. You were rude to me when I was burying bodies. And <laughs> so he ignores them. He doesn't go to help him. And then we see Mr. Cree attacked by something, but we can't see what. So anyways, back inside, he takes his uh, annoying son down to the basement. And for a moment, it looks like he's about to murder his own son. He grabs him by the head and he's standing behind him with a knife. And then you see him like throw the knife down. But then it zooms in. And instead of killing his own son, they are working together to carve Charlie's head like a pumpkin. <laughs> that's our first full story. Daddy, Daddy <laughs> you got to help me with the eyes. You got to help me with the <laughs> eyes, Daddy. <laughs> yeah. So that's almost, I mean, I don't know what's creepier, him killing his own son or him raising his son to be a crazy killer, you know? <laughs> what did you guys uh, think about this one? I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Even um, I think this one it had it was it was sprinkled with like a lot of humor and um, little details. Like when he's being when he's burying the bodies, the neighbor comes out, Mr. Cree, and he's like, "It smells like a dead whore over there. Are you burying the body?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mr. Cree's a charming gentleman. It, yeah, that's what he said. It stinks like a dead whore out here. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. <laughs> And he also says, what are you doing? Burying bodies? He's like, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that scene and that little story was a lot of fun because you really think he's going to like at the end because of the how he talks about his son, like really annoyingly, daddy, this, and daddy, that, daddy, I wish mom was alive. And he, it looked like he's about to take out his son, and he just had enough. And no, it was a fun daddy son activity. <laughs> they were about to partake. Schedule for the evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one was was fun. The other kind of uh, kind of picking up the storyline a little bit thing that Mia noticed as we were watching it was uh, 
how did he get the head down in his basement? Oh, yeah. Um, he's like, he's like the, the kid's sort of alive in his backyard as he's like finishing him off while the neighbor's checking in. And then he like, he's got blood all over him. He goes inside and gets his son. And then when they go downstairs, there's his head. So the only thing I can figure is that he's carrying the head the whole time. Well, see, he's not because he comes in and the little boy jumps out and scares him because he's wearing that crazy looking mask. And he falls back and he's like, oh, I got you, I got you. And he gets back up and he's holding the little kid's hand and a knife, not a head. Mm. And so that's why I was all like, how's the head down there? Already. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah, I like this opening. It's, um, again, it has a lot of good suspense. Mm-hmm. and a, a lot of very dark comedy very dark comedy in this first segment and his name is definitely mr wilkins because i double checked all right um, glad you were able to find it <laughs> i think i was thinking mr wilson because of um the annoying kid what's that kid's name mr wilson um, uh Dennis, Dennis the Menace, thank you. That's why I was getting those confused because Mr. Wilson, Dennis the Menace is kind of like the annoying kid from that. But yeah, I like this segment. It's really fun. It's uh, it, it set things set things up really well. We didn't talk about the great moment where, when he opens the door for the trick or treaters, he's covered in the kids' blood, and they all scream, and and he's freaking out. He's like, no, 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 don't! It's nothing, nothing. And then they they think it's just a costume. Uh, that's another kind of that idea comes up later that on Halloween you can get away with some real things because people will think it's just pretend mm-hmm. but that's coming yeah yeah we'll get there so that's our introduction introduction to Mr. Wilkins who takes um the ancient Halloween traditions very very seriously human sacrifice I mean that's yeah. that's about as ancient as they come yeah. I think and he- that's like a whole display of masks. I don't know if you if you pay attention there. You can see all the masks. I'm assuming all the ones he uses to kill that he's got on his wall, different masks hanging. Yeah, that's right. Very briefly, you can see his his little collection. And I love the touch that he's a elementary school principal, you know. So one thing we can go ahead and mention is that Doherty wanted this movie to be full of characters who all are either mysterious or are capable of things you wouldn't be, um, you wouldn't expect from them. And the more I think about it, almost every character in this movie, there's some sort of twist about them that you won't see coming. Uh, but yeah. we'll talk more about that as we get there. Except for maybe the first characters from the first story. Are there any twists in the uh, husband and wife? Mm. No, not really. Not that I can think of. Not that I can think of. But most of the other characters. Yeah, on the other stories where you don't. I think you just find out who kills her. Yeah, you find out who kills her, yeah. Mm -hmm. But with that, let's start into the next story. Now, this one is where I kind of had to fuse some some things together because of uh, all the stories being told at different times. So I had to make this work together. We really have two stories that we're going to go through here. One is about um, Lori, and one is about a vampire. So in the town, this is a little bit earlier in the day, there's a huge Halloween celebration going on. We see a man is making out with a woman in an alley. While they're making out, he goes like, it looks like he's going to kiss her neck, but he actually bites her, and he steps back, and you see that he's a vampire, and she is pouring blood. 
So she runs into the streets looking for help. But because, like in our last segment, because it's a big party and it's Halloween, everyone thinks she's just a drunk person in a costume. She looks around and there's a bunch of zombies and other people covered in blood. So the man actually, who does she run into? She runs into the couple from the she beginning. She runs into the couple from earlier, yeah. So their first appearance. Well, anyway, she gets attacked by the vampire again, and he leaves her either dead or unconscious. We never find out next to a bunch of other passed out drunk people. And the first time I saw that, I thought it was really clever, this idea that, um, you know, you could get away with murder on Halloween night because everybody already looks dead. <laughs> But anyway, so that story is going on alongside Lori, who is in a costume store with three other ladies who, I'm not sure if they were all her sisters, but at least a couple of them were her sisters. Yeah, at least Anyways. one is definitely suggested to be her sister. Yeah, the other one. two, I don't think so. But it's not clear. But one's I mean, definitely like her sister because they keep talking about her, their mom and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know one of them was definitely her sister. But anyways, you have four extremely good-looking young ladies there preparing for Halloween night for a party in the woods by buying their Halloween costumes and trying to find dates to the party. So Anna, Lori is played by Anna Paquin, who when people ask me, you know, who's your celebrity crush? I usually don't have a good answer except for Anna Paquin. I don't know. It's hard to put exactly, say exactly why. I just think she is so, she's really cute. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She played, she also played Rogue in the X-Men movie. So I've always kind of had a crush on her since, uh, since she played Rogue. I thought she was great in that movie. Uh, so yeah, I have a celebrity crush. Anna Paquin is one of them. She has, I don't know, the girl next door thing going on. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's enough about me going on about that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things they do with her character too, is they make her out to be like a virgin. Right, so it's your first time, and uh, even her outfit compared to the other girls is more kind of subdued, subdued, conservative looking. So it's giving you this vibe the whole time that her her friends and her sister are a little bit more sexually free, and she's a little bit more sexually reserved, and they're worried about her, and they're worried about finding her a guy. So they really kind of lean into this kind of uh, virgin characterization of her at the, at the beginning anyways yeah and again without giving too much away these are kind of set up to be our typical slasher movie stock characters right mm-hmm. good looking girls kind of ditzy one is the kind of virginal good girl um you know they're talking about partying and boys and stuff like that but anyways we're getting ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. they are finding dates and anna as justin said she's more of the or Lori, rather, who's played by Anna, is the more shy one, and she's having trouble finding a date, even though her sisters are encouraging her. So they eventually go off without her to the party, and she stays behind to find her date, but she is noticed by the vampire man from earlier. And we go off to another scene, and we come back. We see her walking through the woods to, uh, to find her friends, and she's being stalked by the vampire man who ends up attacking her. And the next time we see them, we're at the we are at the party in the woods with her friends, and we see her. There's a scream, and her dress falls from the trees. But when they go to check on it, instead of seeing her, the vampire man is inside the dress, and he's begging for help. 
Yep. <laughs> and then she walks out of the woods and her, her friends are like, what's going on? We find out that the vampire man is not really a vampire man. It's Mr. Wilkins, the killer principal from earlier. Yeah. <laughs> so he looks around and he realizes that all the dates the girls have brought, they are dead. Everybody's dead. <laughs> yeah. just dead bodies everywhere. And this was the moment when I realized I definitely love this movie because Sweet Dreams by Marilyn Manson starts playing and all the girls turn into werewolves. So it's a great special effects scene. Um, and again, we see that masked trick-or-treater in the back while this is going on. So we're starting to realize maybe there's more going on with him. And I have a lot to say about this scene, but first, uh, what did you guys think about this whole storyline with Lori and the werewolf's twist and the vampire? Yeah, I, uh, I mean, I was getting ahead of myself when you were asking initial impressions a minute ago, but uh, I like how they play with your expectations um, in this. So again, she's kind of little, she's dressed like Little Red Riding Hood too, uh, just as like another piece of this. So leading up to it's fun. And then even... Uh, once he comes up and she's there, it's still like they hold on to the sexual thing, right? Like she like, climbs on top of him, like she's going to kind of mount him, I guess. And then all the uh, all the werewolves start changing. And to your point, yeah, I think it's it's well done. It's kind of like creepy, but also kind of <clears throat> ridiculous at the same time too, the way it's playing out. And um, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it. I think. Um, one of the, so if you're paying attention when you first get introduced to the girls and they're in their changing outfits, which I was not on the first time, um, because the comments that they make could be taken, I guess, differently. That's great, yeah. (laughs) But they kind of are really upfront about who they are while they're getting changed. And one of them's like, I mean, it's like tasting meat, which... I mean, could go a couple different ways, but they mean literal meat. And then one of them says, uh, yeah, I remember when you took this this guy home who turned out to be a woman, and the girl's like, yeah, they taste the same to me. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was one thing I was going to ask you if you guys picked up. There's a ton of werewolf foreshadowing there. There's those, what you said, when the girls is dressed up as little Bo Peep. Lori is dressed up as Red Riding Hood. There's the Three Little Pigs reference, you know, we'll huff and puff and we'll blow your house down. And my favorite one is Mom always said she was the runt of the litter. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, <laughs> that was yeah, so good, yeah. yeah. yeah so did, did you guys catch any of that beforehand or did it just make sense later? So the first time we watched it, I didn't <clears throat> even, like, really pick up on it until the scene where they're changing and they're like ripping off their skin which is like really cool because it's just like their skin starts to like change and their hair grows out they are literally just ripping off their skin after they're changing which was (laughs) made for really cool effect actually yeah you see them it's like as if they're ripping off pantyhose Uh skin they're ripping off it's pretty crazy but i didn't pick it up the first time it was until the second showing yeah, I also didn't uh, pick it up even after having seen it with you. I had, I knew something interesting happened with the women, and I pick up like at the tail end right before they change. But yeah, the second time, um, I caught I, I caught lots of them, but the first time I caught little to none of the references. Mm-hmm. 
your first same here the first time i watched this movie i did not catch any of those references so it was really fun the second time i watched it i caught them all and I'm like oh okay but the first time you realize something you know something weird is going on is when laurie walks out of the woods and you know the guy is laying on the ground he's all beat up and they go up to her and they say laurie what's going on you're late like you're late mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of a weird thing to say at that moment yeah. and then they all start turning into werewolves and you're like oh, okay nice twist nice twist yeah. but um yeah what I, I, there's a lot to like about this like again that back to sort of subverting expectations and characters can be anything you want them to be they're set up to be the victims like the sli- typical slasher victims mm-hmm. but they end up being the monsters right and there's a lot of stuff about this werewolf scene that is unique like mia pointed out usually werewolf scenes are usually or the transformation scenes it's very painful for them but in this time it's it's very um first of all the ripping off of the skin i can't remember seeing that in too movie too many movies and also it's very it's an all women werewolf tribe mm-hmm. which is different than you usually see usually werewolves are men and doherty made a comparison in some of the the special features I watched that they're like a pride of lionesses you know the female lions are the ones who do all the hunting um, so I like that comparison and also instead of just another transformation transformation scene it's almost like a, a striptease like you pointed out it's all like very unnecessarily sexual which is kind of funny so yeah I I love this this scene I thought it was great yeah good looking like- werewolves too a bit of nudity. Um, I guess that's the wrong word. A little bit of nudity. It's <laughs> a tin bit. But, <laughs> so, uh, but a little bit of nudity. <laughs> There's a titty bit of a little bitty bit of. <laughs> she said it. It wasn't me. I wasn't like, oh, yeah no you're right it's the only part of the movie that does have nudity and it's i don't know there's really nothing else to say there but it kind of makes sense at least because they're i mean they're literally stripping down to their their real selves right so it kind of makes sense but yeah it's a really interesting werewolf scene so so far what we had in this movie we've had vampires we've had werewolves we've had child murder i don't know if that counts as a, yeah. as a monster but uh <laughs> <laughs> well i'm talking about you know like your traditional monsters you know, <laughs> vampires what did you guys think about the twist of uh mr wilkins being being the vampire yeah i thought it was great i i took it as like he has to after we saw the the masks that he has a few different styles to be a murderer and um they, the girls pull his uh, vampire teeth out at the end. And so it's kind of fun to think of him as like a, he, he's uh, not only a vampire, but maybe he does a, a few different strategies he has because the other strategy he has is poisoning little children. So mm-hmm. it kind of made me wonder like, what else has he been up to? Yeah, that's interesting. He, he, I like it because he starts off as like a bad person and 
then he meets someone even more hardcore than him. You know, you think like, oh God, a child murderer, a serial killer, what could be worse than that? And you're like, oh, a group of werewolves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They go from, they were in Tampa and then they were in Chicago. You were all they had been uh, yeah. killing people. Yeah, I'd like to see an entire movie of just them, you know, just that group of lady werewolves going around. Another thing to point out in that segment is you see some of the other characters from the movie in the background very briefly. Like, we haven't gotten to this part yet, but you see the hot dog. Did you guys notice the hot dog costume? I did. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. There's a That's character. Cool. Yeah. laying on the ground. Yeah, they're rolling the hot dog costume past. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There's... Yeah, we haven't discussed that yet, but there's a scene where you see someone dressed up in a hot dog, and in the background, when the transformation is occurring, you see like that and some of the other characters from the movie. So they've gotten a lot of people that we've met. But okay, so we talked a lot about that one. Let's move on. Anything else to say about that one before we move on? Yeah. You covered it. I, I liked it. This was the point in the movie where I knew, like, okay, I love this movie, including you know, the Marilyn Manson Sweet Dreams works perfectly right there. But let's move on to the next story, which is the Rock Quarry story. Mm. So earlier we were talking about Mr. Wilkins. He had been, you know, he'd been interrupted by some trick-or-treaters. Now we sort of pick up with those trick-or-treaters. And they're just some kids. They're going around the neighborhood collecting jack-o'-lanterns. We're not sure why, but they pick up their friend Rhonda, who is um, a very shy and nerdy girl, and they take her out somewhere. We're not sure where we're going yet, but she gives them a history lesson on, on Halloween, and I'm going to repeat the entire monologue here, if you guys will bear with me. Do it. <clears throat> she, <laughs> she says... Samhain, also known as All Hallows' Eve, also known as Halloween, predating Christianity, the Celtic holiday was celebrated on the one night between autumn and winter when the barrier between the living and the dead was thinnest and often involved rituals that included human sacrifice. Uh, I like your eye patch. (laughs) She gives this this whole speech, you know, super nerdy speech, like she's reading from a textbook and her friends are just staring at her. She's like, uh, I like your eye patch. (laughs) Rhonda's adorable, you know, she is... I think a lot of people could relate to Rhonda. (laughs) But they end up at an abandoned rock quarry. Kind of spoiled that by calling it the rock quarry story. Uh, They're not sure why they've been taken there, but the leader of the group, I guess, she explains that there's a a local urban legend about the the rock quarry. And we see it done in a uh, flashback. And to me, this flashback is one of the creepiest parts of the movie. But the story goes that there used to be a lot of special needs kids in the town who the parents were ashamed of and they would put them on a bus every day and ship them out to a school out of town they were sort of like a dirty secret of the town anyways one halloween all the kids are dressed up in costumes and they pay the bus driver to kill the children there's a lot of child killing in this movie which may also explain why the movie didn't get a theatrical release (laughs) i don't know so anyways they pay him to get rid of the kids and then he drives the bus over the edge of the quarry but one of the kids kind of figures out what's going on and he goes over the bus. He goes over the edge with the bus and the kids nor the driver are ever seen again. So that's sort of like its own story within this bigger story. What did you guys think of the, this flashback story? Uh, like I said, I thought it was the creepiest part. Something about those kids costumes is just really eerie. Yeah. 
kids costumes and then like you sort of know how terrible things are for them and uh the one of the kids is like counting out numbers to himself another like you said realizes that they're going the other way from home and he gets really scared and tries to take the bus over um so i think it was like creepy and really sad i mean there's something really sad about regular society taking advantage of special needs children um and uh, it does it it does it really well i mean i think they're the most kind of sympathetic characters from the whole story and it's done in like a flashback creepy creepy way too so it's also kind of unsettling i think mm-hmm. yeah i agree with justin i think um the way that they're treated i mean they're not even given like you don't see their faces they're just covered they have the mask they're just really no identity other than their parents don't like them and they want to get rid of them and so that that was pretty sad and this is really yeah the saddest story of them all and but you know we get to see what happens afterwards so the reason we're told that story is because now we're at the rock quarry and we've got to get everybody everyone really scared (laughs) so the idea is that we've collected all these jack-o'-lanterns to take down as kind of like a a sacrifice or a tribute to the dead kids so they take a a lift like a little elevator deep down into the rock quarry but it can't hold them all so most of the kids go leaving Rhonda with one other kid behind and when they go down again this movie does such a great job with suspense they hear their friends start screaming and so when they get to the bottom and they can't see their friends and it's all foggy and they go out looking around and Rhonda actually sees the bus sticking out of the rock quarry still even though they said they never found it but anyways the little boy stays behind too yeah he goes out exploring he's too he looks too afraid to leave so she says stay here I got you and then she goes wandering out by herself yeah, so Rhonda is appearing to be a little more braver than we might expect from the shy, nerdy girl. So she goes out to investigate, leaving him behind, right? And anyways, the zombies of all the dead children come out of the, the little pond in the quarry and they start chasing her and she's running and she she's kind of, she falls over a short cliff. Her mm-hmm. glasses fall off, they break and she's knocked unconscious. But we realize that when she comes back to the whole thing has just been one big prank on Rhonda, uh, a really mean prank. So she is completely, even though they say, look, it's just a joke, everything's okay. She is completely hysterical with fear and they all go to leave. But <laughs> when they go to leave, uh, the real zombies of the dead children attack. Rhonda gets to the lift first. And instead of letting her friends, letting them in, she locks it behind her. So she survives, leaving all of them behind to get killed by the kids. And outside of the quarry, as she's walking away, we see that same mass trick-or-treater again in the orange clothes and the burlap sack. Oh, and did you guys catch the reason why the zombies come out is because they blow out the last jack-o'-lantern. It can't protect them anymore. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. When they go to recover them, they blow the last one out. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. so that's pretty much that that segment it's done really well i think but what did you guys think about Rhonda's story so i actually really like the story um i think 
one of the key things was whenever they go and pick up Rhonda. Um, in the story, it's made really clear that she's a special type of person. And the kids even point out, they call her, you know, they say a uh, derogatory, mentally challenged person um, word. And, and then they call her an idiot savant. And so, you know, that's highlighted because a lot of the kids in the bus were special needs. And so that for me, I was like, you know, when I saw them being mean to her and then at the end she gets really, the, she gets her revenge, she gets her revenge <laughs> at the end. It kind of like the kids in the bus really getting their revenge towards the end. And it really was kind of like one of those like satisfying, even though the kids died, <laughs> stories. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they do a good job too of making the one lead girl Macy, I think is her name, mm -hmm. like really unlikable um, and uh, kind of a boss bitch, um, bully. And a bully, and um, she's really unpleasant. Uh, all ten years of her life to be unpleasant, but I didn't catch you know actually that it was the fact that uh, Rhonda was uh, some type of special needs, kind of representing the the children from the special needs bus and then kind of helps them get their revenge on mainstream society. Um, so that's a nice, kind of a nice way of thinking about it, I think. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out, Mia, because I had actually never thought about it either. I thought that was just them being mean, you know, just kids being mean. But I guess you could say Rhonda does have, I am not an expert on this at all, but maybe a touch of Asperger's or slightly autistic or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense, yeah. But I had never thought about that. But it's a, it's another it's another really another great segment. I mean, so far they've all been good, I think. And with that, it's time for the final segment, really. Yay! Yeah. Yay! This <laughs> one is well, I won't say what I've listed it as because that's a spoiler. So we're back to yeah. <laughs> We're back to Mr. Cree. Remember Mr. Cree from the first the first part of the movie, the mean old man with the dog? So we see some trick-or-treaters are going to a rundown house, but they're chased off by what they think is a monster. Anyways, it's just Mr. Cree's um just Mr. Cree's dog, who he has dressed up to scare off children, I guess. And Mr. Cree, like the woman in the first the beginning of the movie, he hates Halloween. So he's burning some pictures in his fireplace and we can't tell, but we can't tell what they are. When we let, when he lets his dog out, we realize that this scene is taking place as the very, at the same time as the first segment with Mr. Wilkins, because he goes outside and he's talking to Mr. Wilkins. What's that smell over there? You know? So if you remember, okay, we're probably about to find out what it was that attacked Mr. Cree. Mm -hmm. Um, so he hears something inside of his house and he goes inside and he starts searching around. He's got a shotgun out and for a while, it's kind of a simple scene. It's just him wandering around the house, trying to figure out the noises, but it gets progressively more crazy as the scene goes. When we finally see what's in the house, we realize it's this trick or treater kid who's been appearing throughout the entire movie who we can say he's never caught it in the movie, but his name is Sam and he's this small little demon i guess a child demon whatever you want to call it and he's attacking mr cree with a piece of candy with a razor blade stuck in stuck in it kind of a tribute to that old urban legend about people putting razor blades in candy for kids i didn't catch that part of it being like a tribute to the razors and candy but that's that's great 
Yeah, well, we have the scene where Mr. Uh, Wilkins is poisoning the candy, and we have the scene where Sam has the razor blade in the candy. So there's a lot of little touches like that that I love in this movie. So he's chasing, he's chasing Mr. Cree around with a piece of candy with a razor blade stuck in it. And Cree just gets messed up in this whole segment. He gets messed up really bad. Yeah. Um, but he eventually, he gets like his, the back of his ankle slit and all kinds of horrible things happen to him. It's very much an action-packed scene, so I won't go through all of it. But anyways, he gets really messed up. And he eventually manages to get the mask off of the Sam, the demon. And we see that underneath the mask, it has like a pumpkin head type thing, mm -hmm. which is an obvious reference to the movie Pumpkin Head, which we need to get to one day. But he manages to hit this thing with several shotgun blasts. And he goes to try and call 911, but he's attacked by the demon's severed hand. Kind of an evil dead thing. <laughs> he's attacked by the, the severed hand. And it goes and it reattaches itself uh, to the demon, Sam, which wakes him back up. It walks over to Cree, who at this point is so beat up he can't even stand. And it looks like he's going to move in for the killing blow, but instead he just takes a piece of candy and leaves. <laughs> so then the camera zooms in on the fireplace and we realize that the pictures he's been burning are of those same kids from the rock quarry so it's put together that uh mr cree is the bus driver and that's kind of the twist to to not not quite in the movie we still have a little bit left to go so mr cree has been taught his lesson about respecting halloween and something i never thought about but doherty talked about it in the movie uh, some of the special features is that the Mr. Cree story is sort of like a Halloween version of A Christmas Carol. Mm. Yeah. It's about an old cranky man who doesn't respect the holiday and he's taught by supernatural forces to respect the holiday. Yeah. Kind of interesting. He doesn't get his big redeeming moment though like, um, like Scrooge does. Well, he starts to. He starts to because... I mean, he's all bundled all, up and bandaged up and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because right after that, he's he's finally covered in bandages, and he gets he's giving out candy to trick-or-treaters. And I love the expression on his face when they say, hey, great mummy costume, and he just kind of deadpans them. <laughs> yeah. But So he's, giving, he's finally giving out candy as Sam watches him from across the street to make sure he's following the lesson. <laughs> <Pottering there. traditions. laughs> yeah. So now we're seeing that Sam is sort of the um, – He's the spirit of Halloween who goes around and makes sure that people are respecting the holiday. But anyways, Mr. Cree is giving out candy. He goes back inside, but then he gets another knock at the door. And when he goes out this time, he sees all the zombies of the dead children that he killed. One of them says trick or treat. Then we get a lot of quick flashes of comic book, you know, violence of them attacking him. And the end, that's the movie. So what did you guys think about Sam and Mr. Cree? Oh, it was great. Um, uh, so I, I like the way Sam is kind of sprinkled throughout. Um, and he also um, plays another role at the end of the movie, tying it back to the beginning, which I don't know if you want to talk about just yet, but we should, uh, we should mention as well Sam's role that it has unveiled that he was playing a role at the beginning of the movie as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I mean, once you piece together that he's the bus driver, um, it like all makes sense. It's kind of fun. Uh, and I really like the pumpkin head. Uh, I thought he was really creepy. I thought the special effects there were, were good. And he's also, he's creepy and 
also kind of cute at the same time. Um, yeah, uh, which was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, it was cool to see the children get their get their revenge at the end. There's a lot of things you just said there. Um, Sam is he he was intended to be kind of a representation of Halloween because Halloween didn't have one mascot. You know, Christmas has Santa, Easter has the Easter Bunny, so he was supposed to be like the mascot of Halloween, and he's pretty good because he's creepy, he's scary. But he is very childlike and innocent in the way that Halloween is, where it's both scary but also kind of fun. And <laughs> and one thing, yeah, I forgot to mention is after this whole segment, once he's done watching Mr. Cree, he turns around and there's the couple from earlier with the woman who blows out the jack-o'-lantern. He's like, Oh, gotta go deal with them now. So we find out Sam's the one who dealt with her at the beginning of the at the beginning of the movie. But yeah, it really makes sense. Like you said, everything comes together because now you understand, okay, that's probably why he hates Halloween. Because every year he's reminded of the horrible thing he did. But Mia, what about you? What did you think about this this last kind of story in the movie? I like the story. Um, I thought it was fun. I didn't think about it as a Christmas story, sort of, for Halloween, yeah. which was which is really cool, which I like that, mm-hmm. actually, now that you talked about it. Um, and I can see it. Um, I liked that, you know, he, he does end up getting his comeuppance though towards the end. Mm-hmm. But um, I also like the interaction that he had with Sam. It, Sam is a very like scary, right? Cause he kills you, uh, but very innocent and like playful. And so it's almost like really cute and adorable <laughs> at the same time. Cause he's like using a razor blade and a chocolate bar to like kill you. <laughs> Right, and he toys around with you, um, like hiding in places and making sounds. And so, um, I really like the story. I like how it tied in at the very end, and how all the stories uh, played out. So, I, I, yeah, I really like this one as well. They were all really well done. Yeah, it's a great climax for the movie because it's the most, yeah, it's the most action-packed part of the of the movie. You know, it all kind of builds this final battle with a shotgun and a demon who's crawling on the walls and that's probably the scariest part of the whole movie when he's at the door and you see in the background sam is like crawling across the ceiling (laughs) but sam was actually played by um a child like a seven-year-old kid because they he um doherty said that you know children move in this sort of awkward fashion so instead of hiring, they could have hired a little person to play Sam, but they got an actual kid to play him for most of it. Some of the stunt work was uh, was a, a gymnast, but uh, yeah, it's just nice little touches like that that they put an actual kid in there. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's really good. I mean, I it was fun to rewatch it. I I like how it's pulled together. I like the. I used to not like the nonlinear kind of storytelling that plays with the timeline of a movie. But uh, as I've uh, watched more movies over time and kind of play with different types of story structures, the way it sits, situates all the stories together is even better than like Creepshow, for example, where Creepshow is more of an anthology and you have the like central starting character and central ending character with the boy and his dad. But I really like how it integrates and, and weaves all the stories together in surprising ways. I, I think that's a lot of, that's like a fun narrative device. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's a lot more 
it's a lot more interesting that way and it's still fun to watch and pick up on little things. I'm trying to think any we didn't mention at the end when Sam is crossing the street to go deal with the, the lady who doesn't respect Halloween. There's a car that slams on its brake and that's the werewolf girls are driving the car. Oh, uh, I, didn't I didn't catch that, that either, no. Yeah, what else? Oh, there's there's so much in this movie, just really brief shots. Um when they're in the rock quarry, um, you hear the werewolves. Oh yeah. And she yeah. and Rhonda pointed out werewolves. Mm-hmm. So you haven't gotten to that part of the story. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one too, yeah. Yeah, because the rock quarry segment and the werewolf segment, it goes back and forth between those two a lot. So yeah, you, you do hear the uh you hear the werewolves before you before you see them. Yeah. Oh wow. Anything else to say about this movie? It's just I, I love it. It it has to be one of my top five favorite films of all time. Well, it should be top five. I mean, it's one of our top five Halloween films. Uh, so I'm glad it uh, also fits in your top five. I, uh, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I like, uh, which I've learned from you really over the years, I like when you can strike horror and it be funny and be done kind of in a clever way. Um, and sometimes horror movies get all those together and uh, sometimes they don't. And this one, and it also, to your point, has that classic like Halloween vibe people are out on the streets people are trick-or-treating that some of the um, scene shots just kind of have that classic halloween movie vibe to them so yeah it was it was really really well done and a lot of fun yeah and again we should point out this was his michael doherty's first movie that he made he had been a screenwriter um before this but this was the first movie that he made and it's a really strong start yeah i think Oh wow! What else can we say about this movie? It just—I love the. It's—it's it's a rare horror movie that's very colorful. You know, that's something that's under underutilized in horror movies. When color is done well, it can be very effective. Like in Creep Show, Suspiria is another good example. Um, so many horror movies are just—you know—it's it's very blue or very gray or very dark and black and when you can use colors well, it's, it's, it's very fun. The music, we didn't talk much about the music, but the music in this one is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Always, I'm, I'm still like struck when I see large groups of people partying um, because we can't do that in the US and haven't been able to for so long. I'm like, why are they all together? <laughs> you need some space and what's going on there? Yeah. And I'm just jealous that they get to party and uh, we have to remain six feet from one another. Yeah, in case anybody is listening to this in the distant future, it is currently 2020 as we're recording. And that's all we're going to say about that. Uh, The the movie, and Jared, as in Taipei, me and I are outside of Seattle, and uh, the virus is hitting us differently. But I was wondering, Jared, you know, this is our first of our Halloween series, uh, and it is October as we're recording today. So I was wondering, did it help you get in the Halloween spirit? Did it? You know, when I watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life or Christmas Carol, you know, I start feeling like the season is upon us. Um, So I was wondering if uh, watching Trick or Treat uh, got you in the mood for the holidays and if you have some initial thoughts about how you're going to celebrate in Taipei because you're in a different place out there. Yeah, well, um, Halloween, I think, is slowly getting more of a following over here. It's definitely nothing like back in the States. But... um, yeah, I watched this movie. I also brought over a book called 
the mammoth book of Halloween stories that I'm going to be reading this month. So a lot of things to kind of help me keep that feel for, for Halloween. But yeah, this was a great way to start. I've got plenty of movies. There's a lot of good stuff to watch. Um, what else? You know, it's interesting about Halloween is that it seems like every culture has their own version of it. You know, Mexico has Day of the Dead. Over here, they've got, um, well, my mind just blanked out, but they have their own festival that we just we just came out of. Yeah, they burn where... paper money is my recollection from, we. Uh, I guess it wasn't Halloween, but we experienced one in Taipei that was probably in June, I guess, that uh, they they burn money to give the ghost money so um so that they're happy and leave everyone alone and there's like a whole week where people are on the streets are burning a certain type of paper like on the side of the road essentially like on the sidewalks to to scare off the the bad ghosts or the bad spirits and and kind of pay them off so it was sort of my recollection of how that worked remember when all the all the stuff was burning so it must have been after you left it must have been july then yeah i remember and i'm just um Ghost Festival. Ghost Festival. Ghost Festival. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's like a month-long thing that's very similar to Halloween. And there's a lot of superstitions over here. Like, yeah, like you said, they are – you walk around and people are burning this fake money and fire pits everywhere to, you know, appease the ghosts. And there's some fun superstitions my friends told me about. Like, uh, you're not supposed to go near – large bodies of water you're not supposed to whistle at night you're not supposed to leave your clothes out because the monsters might come and wear your clothes so um you know we just went through that whole long period over here so yeah it's just interesting to me that there seems to be this need in humans to focus on this and around the same time of the year you know different cultures all over the world one of the things i like that i've been really excited about doing the podcast uh together is as part of this kind of exploring this because I think even in modern society, you know, death is still a taboo subject that people really struggle to wrestle with and, and talk about um, outside of just kind of our traditional religious narratives. People have a hard time, I think, uh, interacting and discussing and thinking about death. And one of the things that the horror movies really force us to do is, is reckon is reckon with it. And um, it is interesting to your point that all, while it is a taboo and hard subject uh, for humans that all over society, people have different uh, traditions and different ways of, of respecting the dead, of, of appeasing the dead. And um, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting how each culture does that in their own, in their own way that they need some type of way of, of remembering the dead and thinking about death, but uh, it, it manifests itself differently. It's interesting, too, that in the U.S., you know, Halloween, one of the ways it manifests itself is everybody dressing up as someone else just for one night, um, which is kind of an interesting way of of thinking about how we view death in the U.S., I guess. So, like I said, we've got five weekends in October. We're trying to put out five podcasts. Four of those are going to be about Halloween-themed movies, and I think we're going to try and do one that's just about Halloween in general, not about any specific movie. So for that, I'm going to try and prepare kind of a, an analysis of the holidays, give some background of the origins and stuff like that. So we've got that to look forward to. But I guess, if, is there anything else left to say about Trick or Treat before we introduce next week's movie? No, I think, uh, I think we both really liked it. And um, 
yeah, re- recommend it. And it was fun to watch it again. I, you know, I say this every week, but e- e- each week we're having, or each every other week, I guess, we're having, me and I are having a lot of fun watching the movie a little earlier in the week and then rewatching it again the night before and comparing notes and, and talking about it. So I'm, I asked if you were getting in the Halloween spirit, but I, I'm starting to get in the Halloween spirit after five <laughs> uh, horror movies and uh, getting close to October. So um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Do we have a favorite segment? Oh, we didn't ask. Favorite of the, of the stories. I guess that's Oh a, yeah, that's we should have done that. Um, Mia, since you brought it up, why don't you tell us your favorite? You have one? It's definitely the werewolf one. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Um, I guess I really like the children in the rock quarry story. I mean, because it it uh, it's creepy and it's it appeals to some basic human urge, urges to make it satisfying <laughs> in some dark ways and. Uh, I don't like seeing uh, little kids bullied. Um, so it was a, it was a satisfying one. How about you? Uh, well, it's hard to pick. I hate to, I hate favorite questions cause I always overthink it. But since you two said those two, I'll go with uh, Mr. Cree fighting Sam for yeah. the ending. I, I love that. You get to see Sam for the first time and Mr. Cree's just a great angry old man, man. It's a fun contrast to, Sam, who is sort of like childlike demon, and that that's a lot of fun in that segment. So, but yeah, this whole movie, I, you know, I've seen it. It's one of those movies that I watch every year, you know, for around this time mm-hmm. of the year. And watching it again, I I was not tired of it at all. So it's a great film. Maybe we'll have to revisit it next year uh, on the podcast and have a duplicate uh, just to see where we are in a year from now. Yeah. You know, we've been talking, um, so far we've been doing all classic, great, great movies, and our schedule so far has a lot of good movies, but at some point we're going to have to look at some bad movies, because I love bad movies, just as much as I love good movies. Um, We should do some bad movies, and we should do some more current ones too, that would be kind of fun to mix in recent ones as well. Yeah, we may have uh, one or two recent movies coming up the next couple of coupling up in the next couple podcasts but i think with that we should go ahead and review what we're doing next week 1988's night of the demons with linnea quigley either of you ever seen that one? Oh, but i remember the name linnea quigley yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. from return of the living dead right yeah linnea quigley is from return of the living dead how uh, did I've... you get linnea quigley once you've seen return of the living dead is what i want to know <laughs> <laughs> have you seen return of the living dead Oh goodness! Okay, we might have. We can Google and Nate quickly together. Like, <laughs> is this the one that you took a picture with one time? The, yeah, well, I've met um, uh, several horror actresses and and horror actors, but she is she's one of them, and we'll have some a lot to say about Miss Quigley. Oh, if you thought she was interesting in Return of the Living Dead, there's a scene in this one that's even more interesting. So. Yeah. Is that one the one where they're stuck in that cemetery? Yep, that's right. Okay, yes, I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, well, I saw yeah. it with you two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It> starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's not talk about Return of the Living Dead yet. Let's not talk about that yet because <laughs> that's definitely going to be on the list. Um, but yeah, Night of the Demons, 1988. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Uh, so if you have a chance, watch that. We'll be talking about it next week. And with that, happy October, everybody. Say goodbye, Justin and Mia. Fun as always.
Hey, I didn't even use my catchphrase this week. Look Too at bad. us go. Ah, no. <laughs> I kept waiting for it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you All right, next thanks week. Thanks for having us, man. Goodbye.